This is Strange Assembly episode 106. Let's talk about Hex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about Hex. I'm Chris Stevenson, and I do dearly apologize for that opening. I, uh... I just could not help myself. Welcome to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. And I should say that with some irony, because what you're about to hear is an interview with Jay and Mike talking to Corey Jones of Cryptozoic Entertainment. Cryptozoic just concluded one of the most successful Kickstarter campaigns out there for the digital TCG Hex. There's been a lot of excitement about that here at Strange Assembly, as you'll hear from Jay and Mike as they sit down to talk to Corey in the main hall at Gen Con 2013. Welcome to another episode of Strange Assembly. I'm Jay Earl. I'm Mike Cook. Today we're interviewing Corey Jones, the... Um, President and CCO of Cryptozoic. They're right now big, right now because they're doing the Hex TCG, that's why they're here. That's the big push. Well, to be clear, we've always been at Gen Con since we started Cryptozoic. You know, we're, we're first and foremost, we were a board game and card game company, so we make the World of Warcraft trading card game. We have tons of board games, Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, DC, lots of licensed stuff. Hex is sort of the anomaly for us, uh, something that is very different. You know, becoming a company that makes a digital game is, is this incredible evolution for us as a company. Right, right. Well, if I remember correctly, didn't you guys split off of Blizzard? So uh, no, actually. No? So I, the history of the company is that um, when I was interviewed at Upper Deck, I've been in the games industry about twenty years. I've been interviewed at Upper Deck, and I pitched the idea of a World of Warcraft fighting card game when, during my interview. And I said you could do things like loot cards, and be scratch off codes, you could be stuff in the game, and raids, and be these decks that one person would play against three. And I had all these ideas for the game, and I pitched it. They loved it. I actually came in as the head of new product development for Upper Deck, and then I went to Blizzard and got them to agree, and a lot of my friends, my childhood friends, worked at Blizzard, and um, that came out was very successful. I was actually hired by Blizzard at that point to run global biz down on licensing. I was there for a little over four years, and that was awesome, and the TCG needed a new home because Upper Deck wasn't going to work out because of some issues, and and then we couldn't find a good partner, so eventually I offered to leave and start a new company that would run the WoW TCG. And uh, everyone thought that would be a pretty cool idea. And so I had, a, I had three partners. Yeah. yeah, I had three partners that are part of that uh, also. And uh, so the four of us actually started Cryptozoic. And very talented people. One of my partners, John Nee, started Wildstorm with Jim Lee. Oh, yeah. He'd been a, a, an executive uh, for Warner Brothers for many years. And uh, Scott Gaeta was actually like you know, running things in Upper Deck in their hobby division. And John Stepanuk, my other partner, was uh, head of global sales for Upper Deck. Everyone had a ton of TCG and hobby game experience, so it was just sort of a match made in heaven for the four of us to come together and make this company. Right. Fantastic. Well, I have to say, um, just to start this off, I guess it's also kind of a disclaimer. So both Jay and I actually did back the Kickstarter. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, and as I said on uh, on the uh, internet, uh, if you want your awkward hug, I'm here for you. <laughs> I couldn't be more grateful. I wasn't kidding in that Kickstarter when I said that this game was not going to exist if that Kickstarter failed. If it failed, a series of things would have happened. That game would die, I would be ashamed, and then I would, I guess, drive my car off the left. Well, I think we're all happy that that didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> hey, no more than me. <laughs> 
and I have to say that for me, I mean, I've, I've kickstarted a number of things. Most of them have been computer games more so than board games. But I, I've seen a lot of Kickstarter pitch videos, and that pitch video was part of what sold me. Just honestly seeing your passion for the project, I, I think people love to see that, and I think that's probably part of the success. I mean, completely my conjecture. Right. <laughs> completely my conjecture on that. But. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's genuine. Like, yeah. this is... Uh, I have been so all in on this game for so long now. Like I'm so passionate and uh, about advocating what I believe this game is going to accomplish. That just this idea. Like I went into the Kickstarter just you know knowing full well that if this was a failure, this thing my dream, like my baby, this thing I'd worked on for over two years was dead. So I was like fighting for that thing's life. Yeah, well, and, and you could see from the um, from the Kickstarter uh, all the material that you put out that you guys have been putting a lot of work in, into this game already. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because um, you see a lot of Kickstarter, it's like, oh, here are our ideas, they're kind of nebulous, they're like whatever, and it's like, wow, these guys have got like 80% of this product. Yeah, that, and that's the thing, like, this wasn't a... It's kind of weird, and like the, the, it wasn't a, a Kickstarter to make this game. It was a Kickstarter to actually be able to finish this game, right? And that's the part where like um, the Kickstarter made all the difference in the world. And we had a huge advantage. I mean, to be fair, like I've had a lot of people reach out to me as like an expert on Kickstarter. I'm like, I'm not an expert on Kickstarter. All I knew was that this thing that I loved had to get help, and right. I was very passionate about explaining what this was. And the funny thing is. Like, I was as passionate explaining that game to people that would come in to look at it over the last two years as I was on that Kickstarter. My passion has never changed. Right. Like, it was just the first chance for me to actually talk to a big audience. Right. You the public everyone's Yeah, yeah. Right. I would say the one thing that uh, I, I believe, I, I spent a lot of time on the reward structure and making it very, very, like, exciting. Like, mm-hmm. all the exclusive, and we had a huge advantage. We're a collectibles game, so using that collectibles hook and giving exclusives gave me this sort of unfair advantage that not all Kickstarters are going to have. Right. So, like, everything in our bag of tricks that I had as a collectibles game and as a video game and all the things that are great about Hex, I mean, I, I was fighting for his life, so I'm going to leverage the hell out of all of them. Great, I spent absolutely. a lot of time and talked to a lot of people and just, okay, what do you think about this? And, we, and like, all my designers all chimed in. And, and so the slide to 120 was very well planned out, like, my goal was that everyone would get to that place because you'd get 40 and it was like, yeah, but 15 more bucks, I'm getting 60 more dollars in value. Right. And so, like, I really worked hard on that piece. And then the next tier is all, like, sort of defining you as a gamer, which I think people actually enjoy quite a bit. So I yeah. made those all, like, very attractive. And then after that, I was like, well. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. And I honestly, like, I started the Kickstarter at 300000 which was, we had to have at least that to keep floating along. Right. Um... I didn't. Ex- I didn't know that we would even get three thousand. Like I was, it wasn't like I went into this thing like we're gonna knock this out of the park. I was terrified and didn't sleep like I told you a second ago. I didn't sleep for a week and or, <laughs> slept very poorly for a week. Didn't sleep for all day beforehand. That night before, not at all. Nightmares every night. And I looked at other Kickstarters. I looked at ones that were like card games, you know, not a full right. like RTCG, but like card games. Saw what they raised, who was involved. I'm like. I don't know. You know, like, I, I, right. And, well, I will say that uh, from what I've seen from successful Kickstarters, a lot of times you tend to have two things. You either have a project that's very well done and mostly completed and mainly needs production money. Yeah. The Cool Mini or Not is a very good example, good example of that. Yeah. Um, then you have stuff like the uh, Double Fine, which helps launch Kickstarter, yeah. probably where it is prestige-wise, with uh, Tim Schaefer. Everybody just loves Tim Schaefer. Right. And it, I feel like 
with your video, people got to know you, and people like to attach to a personality right. on top of, you know, you already have most of this done. And then the other thing that sold me on it was the um, was the digital aspect. Because, you know, there's magic online. They've got tools for playing blockers. There's Soul Forge coming out. But... None of those... Uh, those are just TCGs on the computer, right. not really leveraging right, the right. same way you guys are. And the, the, the digital aspect was what sold me. When I started, when I saw the one where you shuffle trap cards into your opponent's yeah, deck, right? I was like, that's, that's nuts. Yeah, it's been or, crazy. Like, I mean, I remember the old Decipher Star Wars did that, and it was just annoying. Yeah. But with the computer, it's like, yeah, go, go. Have a bunch of them. I, Whatever. We made that decision. Uh, thank you, by the way, like for backing it again. Like, yeah. it's... Um, I think like uh, it's it's interesting. There's been a, a bunch of hard games coming out lately. I look at the landscape and I look at who our competitors are. I'm very protective of the word of the the uh, abbreviate the TCG. Very uh, protective of it because to me, who has to explain card gaming quite a bit, I make right. lots of different kinds of card games. And having to tell people, like, no, Rage of Bayamot isn't a TCG, even though they use that term. It's a card combat game. Right. And like, you know, card, lane combat card games, they're a different thing than a card game. Right. TCG, to me, like, the litmus test is, do you have pass priority? If you have pass priority, meaning that somebody can interrupt your turn and do something, that is the strategic depth necessary for me to qualify as a trading card game. Right. And so uh, there aren't really that many actual trading card games out there. Right. You know, like, you got Moto and Duels, and then one other sort of, uh, I don't even like saying your name, because I uh, Right, yeah. right. But there's, there's only a couple choices, and so that's where this game came from, was the desire to have the ability to play at my, when I wanted to and still have the experience I wanted to. So the digital nature isn't just about design, it's about access. Like I say in the video, like, you know, as an as a adult, I used to play the Pro Tour. I used to go to card shops until 3 in the morning playing with my friends, playing with Brian Hacker and, and Jason Zila and all these old school match players, and, you know, I loved it. Yeah. But I'm not putting the kid to bed at 9.30 and my wife go to bed at 10 and I'm not driving to a card shop. No. Like, right. cards no, not happening. Not, not 20 anymore. No. And, but also, but I would, before when I was super into WoW, and, and my friend and I would play 2v2 Arena, that's what I would do. Yep. We'd be chatting on our headsets, like, hey, our match got to start. It was so fun. Right, because you're like, there because you're like, oh, okay. Give me ten minutes to put the kid to bed. Yeah. Okay, I'm back. And then, and then you're ready, and like, or everyone's asleep, and I can play until two in the morning. But I, I'm not going to leave the house to go somewhere. And so, like, yeah. I like staying up late and playing arenas. And when I used to play online, that was great. But I like card games. And I, there's nothing that I'm doing that's giving me that sense of both community and gameplay. And so now with this, I think like. Finally, there's a chance to get the game I want. Where, like, at 10 o'clock when I log in, my guildmates are there. Hey, what's going on? What have you guys been playing? Check out this dude. Hey, run around with me. I got a deck I've been working on. It's in the guild bank. And, like, check the notes. And uh, let's both. Uh, you play one of the gauntlet decks from the last top eight tournament that's populated into our guild bank because, like, that we were at that ranking. And uh, you pilot that. I'm going to pilot mine. I want to test it out. And playing a couple of rounds, and be like, yeah, here's my comments. And then jump into a draft. And then, you know, spend the next few hours drafting and playing games. That's what I want. Right. But I cannot have that right now. It does not exist, and that's infuriating to me. Yes. And so that's where this comes from. That's one of the things I'm most excited for, because I really enjoy draft, but it's hard to be like, okay, we need exactly eight people in the store right now to do it. Yeah. yeah. Whereas online, in that's, the hour of the day, you can find eight random people to do it. As much as I want, like... This to be hyper successful because then financially we're able to put all this money back into it and it's a big success and it's validation right. and everything else. 
I just want to be able to get on at one in the morning and have a draft fire instantly. Yes. Yeah. Like, that will be insane. Part of the reason I love those Kickstarter rewards, giving away free draft a week, like, I've got all these people are... I know they're doing tons of draft. Because mm-hmm. uh, you know what? I'm going to be on this game playing draft. I don't care about, like, oh, yeah, you know, that, that's I'm part of the company. Game. I'm playing this game. Yeah. I didn't make this so I couldn't play. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, this is all I want to play. I mean, that, that to me is a genius thing to give all of these free drafts a week because you'll have people who never are afraid of draft, would never draft and be like, ah, I've got it for free anyway. Why not? Yes. Just and, to get the cards. Yeah, and find and out then also it's like how it is. Yeah. They're to find out how awesome drafting is. And they tell their friends who aren't really, like, into that. No, it's awesome. You gotta go try it. Yeah, it's a great equalizer. No matter how big your collection yes. is, everybody's the same footing. Yes. And some people are just good at draft. Draft is a skill. Yep. Oh, and so, yeah. like, I know plenty of people who are, like, terrible at constructed. But when it came to draft, man, they smoked. And, yep. like, that was their deal. Oh, yeah. And so I'm like, it's, it's incredible. Well, I mean, there's, generally, there's a difference between playing the game and building a deck. So I've known people that yes. if you hand them yes. an amazing deck, will just stop. But they can't build one of their own to save their lives. Yes. So they do really good in draft because, you know... Deck building is a very... like That's why net decking, like... Deck building is a really specialized skill. And, like, that's a tiny percentage of your usual TCG population. And that's why metas often get stale. Is because we've... In the WoW TCG, we had tons of decks where the designers had built decks that were insane. And, Mm -hmm. like, we would test them and it was like, holy sh**, this thing blows the meta out of the water. And, and no, one then no one found it. No one ever found it. In the past, I should release it. Like, here's some decks you never played that would have just stomped. <laughs> and, like, you never found these. Yeah. So it depends on your community. Some communities have more deck builders than than others, but always with a small percentage of the overalls. Yeah. Well, and that kind of leads back into what I was saying about passion. I can tell this project was made by someone who loves TCGs. Yeah. Because... Some of the other stuff that I've seen and I've looked at or whatever, there's all these features that are like, how are you missing this feature? How are you missing a market? How are you missing... Tra- it's a, it's supposed to be a trading card game, but I can't trade? Yeah, right? That's the most insane thing I've ever heard of. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, we'll just change the G to a C. Yeah. The CCG, it's a collectible card so You're game. just collecting them, not going Yeah, you're not, you're not trading. No, I, I agree. Like, that's the part where <clears throat> I keep calling it like this chocolate and peanut butter mentions. Like, yeah, both these things are great. Put together, something else. And everyone's like... How did that not exist? How is there not a TCG with an auction house? Right. Like, that's just mind-boggling. Yeah. And that's right. Everyone else is... It's so funny, too, having pitched this game for so long and talked to hundreds of people that were going to help us. Like, the... Just... the Like, the, the reaction uh, as if my, the audacity I had to try and put these things together and how... How dare you? How stupid this idea... Like, just literally, like, no, this is ridiculous. And then... Going from that to like now, when it's like, yeah, of course, yeah, like well, this is a no-brainer. I'm like, yeah. all right. Well, that, that's what confused me is I am entirely surprised that no one has done this before. Because yeah. to me, as a card player, it seems I've played so many different card games. Exactly. I'm like, how how are you not doing this? This is, I mean, honestly, the big gorilla in the room for card games. Like, how have you not? You've got the resources and money, and you haven't jumped on this. Yeah. Or, or what you have out there is ugly. Wow. I don't like to speak ill. Oh, no, I know. I'm, no, this is me. This is, yeah, I, I hear you. Like, uh, clearly, if the, uh, if the game that I wanted to play existed, I would be playing it, not making it. Right. So, uh, I think that speaks to... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, was, I was actually... Um, because I watched a lot of the live streams... Right. Uh, ...that you've been doing on the, the Friday nights. And, uh, you know, it, it looks good or whatever, but seeing it here, crisp on the monitors... Yeah, this game looks so good. Oh, like, it's not it's, done yet. Yeah, like, no. I'm a... Like, uh, like I have a fetish for fit and finish. Like, originally my degree is in this, like 
graphic design and marketing of all things. So, um, but you see a lot in like product people, like they come from weird backgrounds, but right. they're always passionate about products. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, when it comes to like the design piece of it, like every icon, every hard frame, I have worked so hard to make sure that it's great. Now, I didn't do it. I have working for me a gentleman uh, named Larry, who is the greatest graphic designer that I've ever worked with, and that's my background in 20 years in the entertainment industry. This guy is so far ahead and so is above anyone I've ever worked with. It's insanity. So seeing him being able to implement all of this amazing graphic design work into the interface component has been so amazing. And then I get the great art in, and we work so hard with all the hundreds of artists we work with, and then now we have all these engineers making it look beautiful. Once we get all of the actual particle effects in and the glows and all the transitional things, like it's going to be, it will be the best looking TCG ever, if nothing else. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm Hopefully, some other stuff too. Yeah. It completely blew me. Even that. Even the fireworks when someone. Oh plays. my god. That's what we call programmer art. <laughs> that a programmer put that in as placeholder. That is not what the last screen is going to look like. My, uh, like my deck opening experience and my win loss experience will be bonkers cool. Lots of animation. It's going to be neat. No, but you know what? We talked about the other day. We should put that in as a card in a set in the future. Like victory fireworks is like a <laughs> like a, a nod back to the original. Like you know, and right. it's like a cheesy bursty fireworks. Hey, victory fireworks! I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just me. I just I thought they looked like I thought. Oh, that's really dumb. And immediately thought, no, I, I really like those. <laughs> Sometimes like simple is charming. Yes, exactly. Uh, so one of the, I, I know that uh, one of the things that we've been talking about a lot to show is uh, why digital and why digital only, and uh, that has been a very big piece of hex from inception. At the very very beginning, there was the question, and I was thinking like, do I make this into a card game that we can actually have as a physical card game? If we're good at that, and an digital card game, and I made the decision early on that no, because by making it physical, I leave all of the innovation that digital brings on the table. Right. And that was not great. The, the analogy I've been using is like the canvas. Physical card games have a, a fixed canvas, and it's been painted on for 20 years now. It has been painted on and over and on the back. And with the digital only, it's like I took where, like the roll of canvas and just threw it out there. Like I got a roll of canvas to paint on that's so wide, it's an embarrassment of riches when it comes to the design stuff. I work with the designers, and every idea we have spawns 10 other ideas. And that physical TCG, we mine for gold for a week and maybe get a nugget. With this game, we walk over to where we're going to mine, and we're picking up chunks of gold off the ground, and we can see a whole bunch over there. We're not even going to get to that until later. It is ridiculous how much innovation. We're starting new ground, so it's not been mined at all. Yeah, it's all sitting up here on the ground. Like, maybe someday, but I don't know. Like, it's going to take 10 years for, like, the group is out of ideas. I think it will take longer. Right. We have so many things we haven't even talked about yet that are ridiculous. And every time I come to these shows... I get 20 ideas from the community that are also ridiculously awesome. Like, uh, And I would even say, when, when I saw your digital, you're like, oh, we're doing digital. But, like, there have been other things, but a lot of times when it's it's a digital card, it was like a random number, which just makes the card unplayable. No, but, no. Yeah, but, yeah. but then I saw the stuff you guys were doing, and I'm like, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It, was like, it was like an epiphany. Cool yeah. I mean, like, the Inspire mechanic would just be so obnoxious to do with physical cards. Right. It works so easily on the computer. Yeah, putting 
me putting cards into your deck, me you're, having you're all the cards the in every zone change. Uh, the one that's in the Sapphire deck, that I put this back into your hand and it increases the cost. Yeah, that's I'm one like, of the... Oh, that's so good. The Buccaneer. That's yeah. one of the pushiest cards in the game, actually. Like, that's... In terms of raw power level, people don't see it, but that's at the top end of our raw power level. Like, we were a little nervous about that yeah. card because it takes you out of curve. Mm-hmm. So, like, your four drop goes into your hand, you lost it, and now it's your five drop, so you don't get your five drop, assuming you have the next resource... Uh, that's a really pushy card. Yeah. But it, like in our counters, our version of the, the counter, where it actually counters and increases its cost by two and every other copy of it in your deck by two. <laughs> like, the kind of stuff that we can do, like, we're only scratching the surface, and it's right. already amazing. Head games where, you know, you pick a five or a ten, and then, like, you, I take, uh, if you guess right, I take that much damage. If you, I, you guess wrong, you take that much damage. Like, so good. There's some and Replicator's Gambit, my favorite card, where it goes onto the card, it goes back in your deck. The next time you cast that card, it's new text says, and you get six copies of the card. Right. Now I get to look at every other card in the collection through that lens. Right. And I'm looking at this guy where, oh, plus three life when he comes into play. Very simple. What if I get six copies of him, I gain 18 life? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> like, there's so much cool stuff to do. It's like... Yeah, the, the, those combos and those way that things fit together that you didn't see originally, it seems like, you know, there is that in, like, almost every card game, but it seems like this just has that much wider potential. Much, yeah, much wider it's, potential. Yeah, it's, it's by a factor of 100. It's insanity. And between with the equipment... And have the equipment change the card functionality, and then also the j- slots with the uh, the sockets with the gems. Right. My combinatorials, literally with the champion leveling too, are in the billions. And so it's the first real sandbox TCG, and that's the part that people are so excited to play the game and see how beautiful the interface is and all that junk. But once they actually play the full full game and see the sandbox component, because my belief is that creativity is the absolute skeletal structure of good game design, right. and people can feel creative, either in how they're playing or how they're setting up to play. Mm-hmm. It makes the game absolutely 100% more compelling and right, this it's, game it's, your it's yours you, you, you yeah. made it yes. maybe someone else has something very similar and the, you, the act of creation is yeah. the most important thing you do as humans right. and so any abstraction of that whether it's having children or designing a deck is all related back to the same psychological component that is so enjoyable and so fulfilling and so much about being a human right. that I think it's an important part of gaming really uh, I mean, the other great thing about that is when you're creative and you create something that, you know, is really yours, even if it's not, like, meta-wise, like, the biggest, strongest deck, if you have fun playing it, a lot of times you don't care, and that yeah. adds a lot of life to it. Oh, uh, believe me, like, I'm a, I'm a Spike because I'm a pro player, but <laughs> in my heart, I'm a Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like making wacky decks. Like, no, no, I don't care about winning. I just want to get this combo off. Oh, yeah, right. that's the best. I, I have... When, when I make decks, I'll make tournament decks, but I'll just make my fun decks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My goal won't be to win. My goal will be to do something specific to make me right. happy. No, I'm, I'm exactly the same way. So will Hex have something like, like, not tournament structure, but like I can have, play with my buddy and do some wacky things oh, yeah. there? So you're able to actually, when you play just like pickup games against other people, uh, you can play with any card. I mean, like, it, there'll be a drop down that's like several different options, and uh, one of them is Anything Goes. Then you're all going, we're just playing Anything Goes game, then you can play with your mercenary, with all your equipment, with all your PvE stuff, and those games will be very wacky. Crazy, Great. Yes. And we're actually going to have a tournament structure, like, of all the different tournaments that are firing off all day and all night. We're going to have an entire bracket that's PvE, PvP, so it's the Wild West style, right. where just Anything Goes. So you jump in there and just be like, oh, yeah, what's happening here? <laughs> I, the funny thing is, like, I feel like, okay, people think of that format, they're like, that'll be degenerate, and there'll be a few things that are this, this is what happens. 
actually, with our game... Yeah, we've gone so far over, we've come back around again, where it actually might be a pretty rich meta, because there's so many ways for you to be degenerate, and then what this degenerate does to the other degenerate, like, is going to be this crazy format. So, for something like that, have you worked in ways to make it easy for you to watch other people's games? Uh, Yeah, so we're working with Twitch right now to try and, well, full Twitch integration into the game from the get-go, so you're going to be able to uh, do recording and have spectators and all that junk, so it's going to be pretty amazing. You know, in all of this that we've sat here and talked about, the the one that we've not really mentioned at all is also the PvE aspect. Uh, Just really quickly, um, it's it's like a really easy way for me to pull people into card games. I'm I'm notorious for pulling people into games, and I feel like the PvE aspect is really awesome because people can play until they feel comfortable. They can, um, you know, it's just something completely new and different. Yeah, that's been like one of the bigger comments we've had is that, uh, you know, there have been, over the last 20 years, tens of millions of people have played trading card games, and many of them don't play now because they don't have the game available to them that they want to play. And if they were trying to get back in, the only options they have out there right now for a real TCG requires them for a real TCG, full TCG, not one where the decks are all pre-made for you, uh, play a full TCG is to actually get in and play against other people. You do not have the ability to just get comfortable on your own. And I feel like that's about a 90% barrier to entry for most of those people. So for us, having the ability to give you a robust single-player experience so that you can play at your own pace, you can get comfortable, having the most amazing tutorials as actual gameplay through dungeons and stuff that gets you back up to where you want to be in terms of learning to play is uh, massive. And I feel like that's going to be um, what really has an opportunity to bring even new people in and reactivate, like, millions of people who used to play TCGs. Like, I think this game could be enormous. I think it could be a League of Legends-style hit. Because mm-hmm. League of Legends had the same thing. 22 years of RTSs, everyone loved them, millions will play them, and then no one played them because there wasn't a game addressing their needs now. Right. And then Dota, as a fan-driven thing, came out and then exploded as League of Legends into a billion-dollar-a-year product. I think we have some of the same opportunity. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I had that with League of Legends where, as you were saying, it's intimidating to play with other people because you don't know what you're doing at the start. Okay. So League of Legends is that nice place where you can just yeah. play against bots and figure out what you're doing. One of our, one of our designers played to max level in League of Legends only against bots. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, my God. Matt Dunn, I, I shouldn't know. He's going to get... Uh, I shouldn't out him like this. Matt Dunn played to max level only against bots and all the other designers like uh, tease him about it. It's pretty funny. <laughs> it's amazing. Pretty funny. So, uh, what other question? Do you have anything else? I, I've got a lot, a whole bunch of thoughts, but I know your, your time is... Oh, no. Hey, i got all the time in the world. Ask me anything you want. So, the Alpha is coming out at the end of September. Correct. Do you know how long the beta? I know the beta is probably just going to be as long as it needs to be. Yeah, the alpha will be out, and then we'll start to slowly roll in more and more features. And then eventually, when we feel like we're comfortable at about, at, with those features to actually end up being the beta, then we'll sort of switch over to that. Right. Um, so, you say features. Is the alpha going to have all the cards that are in set one? My goal is that, yes, it has all the cards in set one. So, I'm just curious at what point, because the slow trickle of seeing all these cool cards, at what point are we going to see all of set one? My hope is that it's Alpha. Okay. My hope is that it's Alpha. We'll have all the cards. There's some edge case cards that we haven't been able to script yet because it requires a couple little changes. But we have maybe 
seven, maybe eight percent of the cards already in. So I'm hoping Alpha is all set one. It should be happy. And, uh, and then my hope is that uh, it has a number of features available, and I think people are going to dig it. Absolutely. Yeah. The great part will be when people finally see the entire set, they'll see how brilliant the design is. My designers have spent months and months and months just balancing the set against draft. So drafting is a very important part of how you play this game. Right. And uh, we have uh, absolutely designed the set from the ground up to be amazing for draft. We've done hundreds of drafts, and it's incredibly fun to play. I think that's one of our aces in the holes that we're an actual DCG company. So stuff right. like set balance towards draft is... You know how to do that. Yeah, we know how to do that. Yeah, because I want to see the whole set out, because it's been interesting with just such a small fraction of the set. Right. On, like, Reddit or other internet sites, everyone's like, oh, this card is broken, oh, this card is horrible. I'm like, come on, people. We have such a small fraction. Who knows what is out there to make these cards good or bad? None of these cards are broken. I feel very confident in my designers. Dan Clark, this developer, he knows what he's doing. They're not. They're not broken. Well, I mean, if, if whatever card you're ranting about actually is broken, you haven't seen enough to know if that's yeah. true or not. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. Well, yeah, and I'm, I can't wait for it too because I'm watching the stream. And I'm like, oh, I would not put that card in. Let's right. see what other my other options are. Right, right. <laughs> oh no! My battery died. No. <sighs> well, as you might have. Caught there right at the end, uh, the laptop that Jay and Mike were using to record the interview died a little bit. So that's all we have. Sorry if you uh, were desperately waiting for the last few minutes of that interview. But Strange Assembly would like to thank Corey Jones, the COO of Cryptozoic Entertainment, for sitting down and talking to us at Gen Con. Corey was talking to Jay and Mike about the recently concluded Kickstarter digital TCG hex Shards of Fate. It should be entering alpha in September 2013, so check it out. Until then, thanks for listening. You can hear more Strange Assembly by checking us out on iTunes or visiting us at www.strangeassembly.com. Just search for Strange Assembly anywhere on social media. We're really the only ones who go by that name. Or you can email me at chris at strangeassembly.com. Until then, never stop gaming.